while all that's happening, we're going to be looking at the passage in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. We're looking at the names of Jesus over the next few weeks. And in particular, we're looking at four, wonderful counsellor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. And today we're going to be looking at wonderful counsellor. I'm just going to wait until boys and girls have got their, their sheets and get settled. Great to see boys and girls, isn't it? Hey? It's great to see you in the service with us this morning. Yeah, let's give the boys and girls a hand, hey? Yeah. All right, well, let's pray together. Father, you've heard our prayers as we've prayed for one another. Now we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us directly through your word. Open our eyes so that we might see you, but open our hearts so we might hear you. Apply your word to our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's read this passage, um, uh, verses 1 to 7. I think it'll be up on the screen as I read it through. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boat used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And here's our verse. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Hey, praise the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful passage? It's the word of God to us this morning. Wonderful counsellor. You know, there was a lady who went to see a counsellor for the very first time. And before the counsellor even spoke, the lady said, I don't have to talk with you and you can't force me to talk to you. The counsellor responded, I can't force you to talk about anything. It's completely your choice. In fact, if I ever try to force you to talk about anything, I hope you'll tell me. 
because I'm not interested in forcing you to do anything. God is a wonderful counsellor. We meet him in Isaiah chapter 9. And as the wonderful counsellor, we find that he wants to bless his people, but yet as a wonderful counsellor, he will not force himself on us. This passage, if you think back to where it started, it starts in a place of darkness. We go back to the chapter before in chapter 8, verse 22. They will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. They will be thrust into utter darkness. That's not a very inspirational passage for a Sunday morning, is it? Come over into chapter 9 and it's still there. Verse 2. The people walking in darkness, it gets better, have seen a great light and on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The people find themselves living in adverse conditions. And it feels like they're living in a land of deep darkness. You know, Jesus picked up the the theme of darkness and light, day and night. When he wrote, uh, when he spoke um, at a time that is recorded for us in John chapter 9, Jesus said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. And we know today that people can work in the darkness, you know, we see roadworks happening, big floodlights on, we see officers well lit. But of course, back in the day, in Jesus' day, you worked in the daytime while it was light, but at nighttime when it was dark, you could not work. And that's what Jesus is picking up on. What we are told in Isaiah by this prophet is that we're reminded people can't function in the dark, but God can. God can work without the benefit of surrounding support. God can work in adverse conditions. You see, God can bless you when your enemies are cursing you. He can bless you when all your supports have collapsed. He can bless you when you feel like you're sitting alone in the darkness. He can bless you when everything else and everyone else has left you. We're going to start at the point of darkness. That's my first point. Because we need to understand that darkness can be intimidating. You know that. I remember being a child at home in the dark, alone, in my bedroom, and you know what it's like. There's a shirt hanging on the doorknob, and somehow it turns into a wicked witch. And there's a towel draped across the back of a chair, and I'm sure, I was sure that there's an animal ready to spring and jump onto the bed where I was. And then there was a light. I'm sure it moved. You know what it's like. 
switch on the light, it's a shirt, it's a towel, it's a light coming in the window. Everything looks different in the dark. When it's dark, I mean completely dark, you can't see anything at all. And we need to understand this morning, as we consider this question, what is darkness? How would you define that? Consider this. Darkness is not a thing. It's the absence of a thing. It's the absence of light. You see, life, light, we can quantify. Light can be seen. We can feel the warmth coming from light. We can touch something that is producing light. We can measure light. Light is something that we can look at, touch, see, feel. Darkness is the absence of a thing. It's what we don't have that makes it dark. Darkness is a void. It's emptiness. It has no power. In fact, it's an absence. And I wonder here this morning how many are hurting because of an absence. What isn't there can be as painful as what is. We need to understand that God does his best work not in the light, but in the dark. And when God gets ready to prepare you for light, what does he do? He puts you in the dark. Remember the old cameras where you had to go down to, usually it was the camera shop in those days, or the camera shop, and you buy the roll of film, and you'd drop it into the camera, and you'd wind it up ready to start, and you had to make sure that the, cam the, the film was kept in the dark. So what happened was you would take the camera out into the light. You needed light, and if it was night or a darker background, you'd put a flashlight on your camera. And so out in the light, you'd take the photo. Then you'd take the film into a dark room. And there in the dark room, the film would be developed and photos would be produced. But then you would need to take the photos back out into the light so you could appreciate the finished product. I think that's a picture of Isaiah 9. The dark season that we're in is preparing us for what God wants to do in our lives. He's developing you in the dark. God works in the dark. And if you're going through a dark place right now, it doesn't stop God from working. I think that's a wonderful thing. Darkness, you see, runs from the light. And the people of God, they were going through a dark time. From the time of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, and all the other prophets, there was a dark period of 400 years where the light of God speaking through prophets was not felt or heard at all. 
was like God had left Israel. The people of God, 400 years without a word from God. We come over into the New Testament. And some of you know this verse well. It's in Galatians chapter 4. And it's like the light switch comes on. And the shadows that were monsters and witches and all sorts of other things creeping around the dark are suddenly exposed. In Galatians chapter 4 we read, And when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. The time had come. God turned on the light. This is what God did. He chose a woman, Mary. He chose a woman to work with him in the creation of a human being. He placed an embryo in the darkness of her womb and left it there for nine months. He was careful not to bring the baby into the light too soon because he was preparing someone in the dark. God does his best work in the dark. And then out of that darkness, God announces, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. The second point I want to make this morning is revelation. Coming out of the darkness, something is being revealed. The light is coming on. And in the midst of the darkness, God is revealing what he was preparing. He revealed that he, the almighty God, the wonderful counselor, would come and live among people and be the wonderful counselor living among us. In the darkness, he's preparing something special. Out of the darkness, he reveals someone's significance. A child, a son, a ruler, a wonderful counsellor. A wonderful counsellor who doesn't force us to do anything. A wonderful counsellor who comes as a wise guide, a helper, a counsellor to help us get through the dark places into the light. And this title, Wonderful Counsellor, is an extraordinary title. I want us to think about it. Some Bibles put a comma between wonderful and counsellor. And I can understand why. But it really is intended as a title with two words, wonderful counsellor. Let's put the next slide up. And we'll see in the next slide, go to the next one. I'm going to focus on that word wonderful. Went back and looked at the Hebrew. And what I discovered is counsellor in the Hebrew means counsellor, okay? No great mystery. So we can all identify with what a counsellor is. But it's that word wonderful. It's a wonderful word. You know what it means? Something miraculous. Supernatural. Exceeding expectation. And you know, the Bible uses that word wonderful 
in that sense to describe God opening up the Red Sea and allowing the people of Israel to go through. Wonderful, miraculous. That's why we talk about signs and wonders. We're talking about something that is not like a waterfall. Isn't that wonderful to watch it fall down those, that cliff? We're talking about something that is, ah, as Matt would say, awesome. We're talking about something supernatural, exceeding all our expectations. And God, the wonderful counselor, counsels us in such a way that he'll take you to the miraculous. He counsels us in such a way that the result will beyond, be beyond our expectation. He is a counselor who gives miraculous results. He gives wisdom when you're having difficulty making a, si a decision. Now, our problem is we expect results down here. When we read what God who God is, who Jesus is, he is one who doesn't deliver results down here. He delivers results up here. That's the Hebrew meaning of the word wonderful. God doesn't deliver wonderful results here that we can measure and control. He delivers wonderful results up here beyond our expectation. In Ephesians chapter 3, Oh, I pray this so often, and I hope you pray it too. It's Paul's prayer. He's picking up on what it is to have a Savior with us who is a wonderful counselor. And he says, I'm praying now to this wonderful counselor, and I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. Watch it. Listen for it as it builds. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, our wonderful counsellor, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, here's the latter part of his prayer. Let's look at this. We need to get this up on the screen so you can see it. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now, that's not the end of the sermon. That's the end of that passage. Hey? The people were walking in darkness. God reveals the light is coming. He guides us as a wonderful counselor as we walk in the light. Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, and we'll get that one up on the screen. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, Jesus comes, and he's speaking to the people, and he says in um, John 8, 12, let's put that one up. Um, he says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
He is saying, I am that wonderful counselor that can exceed expectations. And that's what I'm bringing into the, light, into the dark for you. Let's look at the third point, and that's light. And we'll just stick the next slide up too. I want you to think about this. You visit a city for the very first time, a strange city. How do you discover the points, the, the points of interest in that city? Well, let's put some things up on the screen here. First option is we can just walk around. You know, I've done that and I have done that. We get to a city, a strange city, and we just walk around, have a bit of a look and we try and find what the city is all about without reference to anyone. That's the way us fellas like to do it, isn't it? You know, if all else fails, get the directions. Have a bit of a look around. But it has limitations. The second one is this. We go to Google Maps. You get directions, but sometimes you miss the key attractions. You know what it is, you get your phone out and you, you've got it there and it's got a dot where you are and then there's this blue line that says which way to go and you've got to walk a few steps this way to find out if you're actually moving in the right direction or not, you know. And, and then you walk down the street and you bump into people because everyone else is looking at their phone too. So Google Maps are helpful. You get directions. But when your eyes are on the phone, on the map, you sometimes miss the key attractions. So you go to TripAdvisor, and there's a few others, isn't there? And you get opinions about all these attractions. You know, this great attraction. And someone says, no, I only give it a one star. And you think, will I go there or not? So that's how you find your way around. But then we come to the fourth one. You get a guide. You get a guide. Someone that's going to be there with you. You'll get there quicker. You'll see the sights that are worth seeing. The guide will listen to what you're interested in and say to you, I, I know what you need to see. You need to come and see this because you're interested in that. And don't worry about that. Everyone else is going there. But let me take you to something else that I know will interest you. And a guide will help you go to the places that you're interested in. When Jesus started his ministry on earth, he taught. He counseled. He was a wonderful teacher. The crowd said that. He was a wonderful counsellor. They may not have used those words in Scripture. But Jesus went further than that. He gathered a band of disciples around him, not just the 12, not just 70. There was a whole lot of others too that followed him everywhere. He was their guide, their wonderful counsellor. But Jesus didn't stay on earth. He rose from the dead, went back to heaven. And the disciples sat with him. And said, why? You're our wonderful counsellor. And he said, it's better for me to leave. Because I'm going to send you a helper. And then he explained. He said, this helper has many names. And one of the names is counsellor. He's an advocate. He's the Holy Spirit. He's a comforter. And he said, it's going to be better than me being here personally. 
You won't be left alone that way. You won't be left with other people guiding you. You won't be left with spirit guides. I'm saddened these days that some people searching for some sort of spiritual guidance will be sidetracked to consult what we call spirit guides. And in fact, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 8, that matter is addressed. In chapter 8, verses 19 and 20, we'll put that, those verses up. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? You see, when we consult spirit guides, we're consulting false guides out of hell. But Jesus said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be your guide and he will lead you into all truth. So let's see what Jesus says now in this longer passage from John 16. And we'll put that up um, in John 16. But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, he uses a name here, the advocate. Different translations might put in some other words for the Holy Spirit. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in, uh, to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to be uh, I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Now that's the basis for good counselling, isn't it? Then we go on, verse 12. I have much more to say to you, said Jesus, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. So Jesus came as a wonderful counsellor who broke into this dark world. But Jesus was limited to one location. And his main task was to be God with us. Light. The cross. He came to save people from their sins. He was limited to one location. So he said, it's better, it's better for me to leave because I can only be in one place at a time but I'm going to bring, I'm going to come back in my spirit. And the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as the spirit of Jesus. We have the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, with us as a personal guide, and he'll help you. I want to share some practical things that um, you might, that so, some practical illustrations out of my own experience of the Holy Spirit leading that might help you. And there's four things here. Number one, he will help me know what I need to know. Let's put them up on the, on the screen here. He will help me know what I need to know. How does this work? I remember one night I was preaching in um, churches a long time ago and 
in the, as I got up to start to preach, the Lord just, I, I heard the Lord speak. And he said, there's someone here tonight who has just received news that they've got cancer. Now, I'd been the pastor of this church for a while and I knew the people and I thought, I wonder who that is. There was a lady came in that night, never came to evening services. And I shared that. There's someone here tonight that the Lord, uh, uh, that has cancer and the Lord wants to heal them. After the service, people just filing out, <laughs> I had some interesting comments. One fellow said, uh, well, you really stuck your neck on the line tonight, didn't you? <laughs> this lady who never came on Sunday nights normally, she came up to me and she said, are you psychic? I said, um, what do you mean? And I explained to her that this was from the Holy Spirit. I prayed for her there and I prayed for her back in her home. I don't know what, well, I didn't know what happened to that lady until this year. And this year, some old friends of um, ours from this church contacted me and said, we'd like to get together. And you know what we do, us old fellas, we, we like to sit and reminisce, don't we? I do, you know, this person, that one. And I said, I mentioned a few names, and he said, this lady's name, and he said, you know what, she's still alive and in her high 90s. And I said, praise the Lord. Hey, you know, That's knowing what I need to know. Words of knowledge, the Bible calls it. The second one is this. He will help me get to where I need to go. Way back in, um, well, I mean, this is way back, 1976, I was called into ministry and I was just saying to the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want me to do for the rest of my life? Is it ministry? Is it missionary service? Is it something else? That day I got up, my Bible reading was from 1 Timothy 4. I went to the chapel service that morning at college and the, the speaker, our principal, spoke on the very same passage. Then that night I went to a, a friend of mine's ordination and a different speaker spoke on the same passage three times in one day. And the passage said, do the work of an evangelist, be urgent in season, out of season and, and so on. That's a passage that many have given to them when they're called to ministry. But three times in one day, the Lord saying, Heed that, and I'll help you get where you need to go. The third thing is say the right things. Be much more generic when I answer this one. You know what? I have discovered when I'm facing a right or wrong issue, particularly in the things that I say, very often the Lord will set before me two ways, and there's a way I want to go, but in the back of my mind, there'll be another way that I should be taking now, I've got to confess there are many times I think I really want to do this and I go that way. Most of the time it gets me into trouble. But the Lord will present two ways for us and he'll give us options. He teaches us or he doesn't force us. 
but he shows us the right way. Number four, resist things I normally can't resist. And it's a similar sort of a thing. He'll put a couple of different ways before you and we get to choose. But we know in our spirit one of those is the way he wants us to go. And the fifth one, I think, has a lot of relevance to what we're doing here this afternoon and this evening with our, our Christmas event. We're putting on Alpha in the local church. And we were doing what many of you have been doing this last week. We were distributing leaflets all around the neighbourhood. And there was one lady. She was a lady who liked to do everything correctly and not step out and do something that she hadn't been told to do. So she had uh, a bundle of leaflets and she was given a designated area. She got to the corner with the other person that was distributing those leaflets. She tried to ring me up. I wasn't available. And she had four leaflets left. And she said to me later, I was so worried about those four leaflets that I might put them in letterboxes where they'd already been delivered. So she said, I stood there on the corner with my friend and I said, Lord, show us where to put these four leaflets. And she said, all of a sudden, we decided, let's just go down this next street and do the first four houses. I didn't know it at the time. We started Alpha. This couple came along. They both committed their lives to Christ. She was Singaporean. He was Australian. He was an atheist. She came out of one of the largest churches in Singapore, and uh, but was right away from the Lord. They weren't married. They came to Alpha, committed their lives to Christ. After they'd committed their lives to Christ, I said, where do you live? They lived in one of those four houses that the lady and her friend were led to. Now, that couple, they're married, they've got children, they've moved back to Singapore, and they're in leadership in the largest church in Singapore. We need to understand this is God, the wonderful counsellor at work right now. And even this morning, he is speaking to you about sin. He is speaking to many of you here this morning about idols in your life, things that you have to consult before you'll consult the Lord. He's con he is talking to us this morning about unbelief in our hearts where we, our faith is down here and we do not expect the wonderful counsellor to do something wonderful up here. And he's speaking today to those of you, those of us who are walking in darkness and he's saying, I have wonderful counsel that I'm prepared to give you to lead you out of that darkness. What we're going to do now is we're going to sing a song, I Speak Jesus. Very appropriate as we get ready for our afternoon events. And we're going to, as we, it's a prayer, we're going to speak Jesus out over the community. But 
what is happening is the Lord is going to be speaking to us in this building right now. And there are some of you, you're in darkness, you can't find your way out, and you need to respond to what the Lord is saying to you this morning. And I want to suggest I'm going to pray for you, not now, but after we've sung this song, as we do communion together. But I want you to use this time when we're singing this song to allow the Holy Spirit to speak. He'll show you what you need to do to come out of darkness. He'll give you revelation and bring you into light. Father, as we sing this song, let the Holy Spirit come and convict us of what we need to put right in order to be in the light where you want us to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.